0: I decided to talk about a story about where I got mortally injured because I have a lot of those stories and I thought that was completely normal for people until I started talking to people and telling stories about, you know, how every member of my family has had near-death incidences like once a year and people just look at me like, what is your life? I'm like, I thought this was everybody's life. I'm sorry. (laughs) So I have to preface this with I can be best described as a nerdy hillbilly. My lifestyle is very much an alternating between farm life and nerd life. So this morning, for example, I spent the entire morning cutting and splitting wood. And now I'm recording a podcast. So that, that aptly describes my life, I would say
1: aptly describes Julie. Yes,
0: <laughs> nerdy hillbilly. I was about 17 or 18. And I was really close with my neighbors growing up. So I was over there all the time whenever I was out of school. And they had a company over and I stopped by. They had a friend over who they hadn't seen in a while. And she brought her son. And I could tell that he was pretty bored just sitting with three old ladies drinking coffee. So I offered to take him out and show him around. Of course, my neighbors reassured that his mother that I was fine. I'm a respectable teenager who can handle things. I think he was around 10 or 11. And he wasn't from the suburbs. He had never seen trees pretty much. Like, he was just fascinated by absolutely everything. It was kind of silly to me. So I took him by the pond (laughs) and, like, frogs jump in as you go near the bank. His mind was blown by just frogs. I'm like, dude, like what is what is your life? This is what's fascinating you. I thought you would have at least seen frogs at some point. But you know, this kid's mind's getting blown by everything I say. He's just looking up at me with like sparkling hero eyes, all that kind of thing. And so we get to the woods where I have a creek and we have a bunch of vines there. And of course he's like, Do you swing on those? I'm like, Yeah, I do. Of course I do. I'm a country kid. I know what to do. And I said, okay, so first rule about swinging on vines is you always test it because it could work. It could be perfectly fine for years. And then out of nowhere, it's just not good. And it breaks off that day. That's how nature works sometimes. And he's like, okay, so what are you going to do? I'm like, well, I'm going to test it. And if it can handle my weight, it can clearly handle yours. So because I'm watching a kid who doesn't know how to do anything, I tested the vine fully, which I had never done before. So I climbed to the top of the hill and come running down and swing over the creek. And just as I'm over the creek coming back, the vine snaps. <laughs> and I fall between 10 and 15 feet into a creek. <laughs> and I black out. The only time in my entire life I have ever blacked out, even to this day. And I wake up like less than a minute and I'm numb. I can't feel anything, which is bad. You want to feel pain. You don't want to feel numb. <laughs> and I was I paused and I was thinking. I was just like, okay, can you move your leg? And there was a delay. I couldn't. I was like, can you move your arm? There was a delay. I couldn't. And I went, how am I going to tell this kid that I am paralyzed and he has to go get an adult? He probably can't even find his way back. Like, I don't even know what to do in this moment. That's all I thought about. I thought about the kid. I'm like, he's never going to go outside again. Like, what am I going to do? I didn't think about how I was going to have a forever life change. I was just like, man, this kid is scarred for life. This, has kid,
1: go. this kid is never going to want to see frogs again. Yeah,
0: frogs are forever cursed. <laughs> So I kind of, I'm sitting there thinking, like rushing and thinking. In the midst of this thinking, I just hear over top of the hill, that was awesome! (laughs) And I was about to start crying. I was just like, I don't know how to tell this kid anything. And then suddenly I felt a sharp pain. I was like, oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. There's just pain. There's pain. And it turns out I basically landed in rocks and sticks and everything, but I caught my fall with my hands. I dispersed some of the energy and I completely cracked (laughs) Both my wrist but like where my thumb meets my wrist, I cracked that bone in both of my hands and I forever like pinched a nerve in my neck but i slowly crawled out of the creek, dazed and just thankful that I'm not paralyzed, stumbling out. And this kid's like, "What are we going to do next?" I'm like, "Dude, I don't know. What like, what do you, you want to do?" He's like, "Can we dig up a tree so I could take it home?" I'm like, "Here's a shovel." <laughs> And then he was like, can you show me how to use it? And I couldn't even hold, I couldn't grip a shovel. I was just like, I'm so sorry, kid. I'm like, I'm really tired. I just can't do this right now. He's like, that's okay. This is so much fun. I'm like, yep. He's like, can I swing on a vine? I went, no, no, we're not doing that right now. They don't, they're not happy with me and they're not going to do that. And so I like, after a while, I finally take him back and my neighbors see how disheveled and just shocked I am. And they don't like show it in front of his mom because he's just rambling off to his mom about how great everything is and how awesome I am. They come over like, "Are you okay?" I'm like, "No. <laughs> I need to go home." <laughs> and I went home and I told my parents that I probably need to go to the hospital. And instead of going to the hospital, I got a 3-hour lecture about safety and gambling your life away and like <laughs> we had steaks. This is what I remember. We had steaks that night for dinner. And I couldn't use utensils. I couldn't, like, grip anything because my thumbs were shattered. And, like, (laughs) I was just sitting there like my dad wouldn't let me get a word in. So I just sat there staring at my food really sad because I couldn't cut up my steak. And my mom just, like, traded plates with me because she saw that I was just like, I can't even hold a knife. (laughs) Like, I can't do anything. Did you end up going to the hospital? No, you never do. (laughs) Killbillies never go to the hospital. Unless you're, like, morally bleeding or... You can't stand or something. You don't go to the hospital. It's fine. They're healed. They're fine. (laughs) I'm not crippled. Your thumbs can move. That's good. Yeah, I can move my thumbs. It's fine. You you didn't scar a child for life. No. So there's that. I just want to meet him today and be like, what did you think happened that day? Man, I saw you swinging a vine. It was so cool. I'm like, yeah, that's how it's meant to go. I'm supposed to fall in a fucking creek.
1: (laughs) I almost died. I almost died. (laughs) I remember you telling me this story. So. (laughs) That's, that's why I don't have a lot of questions. I didn't,
0: it's been so long, I didn't know if you remembered it all the way.
1: This is Passion for Your Passions. I'm Krista. And I'm Julie. And today, we're talking about Dragon Age. And dress, sanctified ass. I suppose you have questions. So
0: finally, the episode Krista and I have been waiting for. Not you, us, we've it's so hard for us not
1: to talk about this game. <laughs> we're yes. talking
0: about video games and bioware.
1: Just us have been waiting for this, probably. Everybody else is probably just looking at all of this and just saying, "Man, you guys can sure talk about video games, huh? <laughs> Will you pick another subject already
0: well this is this is the last installment of video games for all of you that are just waiting for it to be over.
1: But you know what? the winter time is a good time for video games, so I feel fine with this.
0: Well, it is pretty common that video games come out in the late fall so that you can buy them for the holidays, so... But we wanted to head off this episode with saying there are definitely going to be spoilers, especially for Origins and Dragon Age 2. Inquisition, we have decided to hold off and warn you, just because it's the latest game, and if you really want to play Dragon Age, that's probably where you're going to go. (laughs) So we are going to give you a big warning before doing any super big spoilers for Inquisition.
1: You can play all of these games they are all playable they're all out there origins so the very first one is kind of rough you could play it but i don't think most people are going to want to two is fine you could definitely play it but inquisition what only came out like five years ago so like it's a pretty good looking game it still plays pretty well it's still i would still suggest it to people if they wanted an rpg
0: Yeah, and while Dragon Age 2 is playable, we just don't like it, so it's... yes, we
1: don't care to... (laughs) We're gonna spoil the shit out of that game. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, we're gonna spoil the shit out of all of it, but we'll try to warn you about Inquisition. Especially. We'll give ample, ample, ample (laughs) warning about that one. So much so that
0: if you do hear the spoils and don't want to, that's all on you. We've done everything we can.
1: So... The plan with this is we're going to just kind of talk about a game we like. So like for some of the other ones, we were kind of trying to introduce things. We were trying to talk about things in kind of certain terminology, I guess. Like, so that way, if you were new and you wanted to start playing video games, that you would like understand the terminology better. For this one, it's really just going to be two friends talking. Keep that in mind. I don't know if that will interest people more or less, but that's what's about to happen. So what's the, what's the first point about Dragon Age? What does everybody need to know about Dragon Age?
0: Despite its name, there aren't that many dragons, and it kind of pisses me off. <laughs> One, because I honestly thought of a video game idea that would be a perfect name. Dragon Age would be a perfect name because it's like the age of dragons, dawn, this whole era of species and time. But I can't have that name because this fucking game has all of like six dragons in it until Inquisition took it from me. <laughs> so like... It just upsets me that Dragon Age doesn't mean anything. Like, it means very little, but every cover has a bloody dragon and some obscure reference to the
1: archdemon, which is dragon-shaped. It's kind of weird because there are kind of dragons, but there are very few straight-up dragons. Like, there's a lot of, like... we'll, We'll start talking about Origins, but, like, in Origins, like, one of the main enemies is kind of a dragon... But not technically a dragon. And then something very similar happens in 2. So I don't know why, like, they just keep teasing this. Like, it's it's weird. It's like this... Why? Why Why is this called Dragon Age? Well, the other
0: thing, like I said, I create a video game, <laughs> and the concept is, like, dragons are gods, and, like, they rule dominion. So that makes sense. Dragon Age. Like, it's the age of dragons. Yeah. There's nothing like that in this, and I don't understand. Like, the closest you come to is, like, the the dragon blood people that you meet in the Temple of Andraste. Or they're just like, yeah, we worship Andraste. She came back as a dragon. You're like, what? And then you kill her. And you're like, well, that wasn't really a god or anything. I just killed a dragon. The only dragon that you find in the entire fucking game.
1: Well, there are a bunch of dragons in Inquisition.
0: Yes. Inquisition you... finally took up to the name and added some more fucking and dragons.
1: I think you can fight a dragon in two, but it's very out of the way. Like, you don't have to.
0: It's a side quest to help clear out a cavern. Then you yeah. fight a dragon, yes. So there's mm-hmm. two dragons between two games named Dragon Age. And then you get Inquisition,
1: which has, I think, 12 dragons? I don't remember. I, for some reason, I want to say that there's 10. That just, like, sounds correct to me, but I'm not positive about that. Because I did it once. I fought them all. I freaking took on I that quest do- and I did that. And I, for some reason, I want to say that there's 10. Because I had to, like, look through a guide as I did it, because there's an order to it. Maybe we shouldn't talk about this yet. We should a it. It's position. So Hold that thought. <laughs> okay, all right, so talking more just kind of about the background of Dragon Age, just before we start talking about origins, I think for the most part, it's kind of the races that you would think there would be, like it's kind of Tolkien-esque. There's elves, there's humans, there's dwarves, but one of the things that I personally like about it, because you know, I've you know, I like Tolkien, all this stuff. I like that there's a twist to all of them. Maybe except the humans. I don't really know what twist you do to humans. They're kind of human. Humans are <laughs> just twisty <laughs> yeah, <laughs> species. Humans are around. <laughs> but for example, the elves, like the elves were once kind of what you would think of in Lord of the Rings, essentially, like they were immortals, they, you know, did all this really cool stuff. They were like masters of magic. And then now they've, recently fallen from grace and they're basically slaves i don't think like there's too much that you kind of discover about that in the first game but like it's interesting because like a lot of like the elves are treated as less than humans and like people will call them knife ears and they're kind of mean to them and so there's like elves that live in the cities who are like slaves and then there's elves that live out in the wild kind of sort of like how they used to and they're called the dalish anyway it's just an interesting thing the thing about dwarves that I also like, which there's kind of a similarity there, is that there's, like, surface dwarves and there's underground dwarves, which is interesting, too, because, like, the ones that are underground, like, the really, really pure blood ones, they, like, won't ever come out into the sunlight and, like, they discredit people who do and stuff, so... Well, they have a caste system
0: amongst the dwarves,
1: too. So it's like they have the
0: hierarchy of royalty and paragons. And then they also have the caste system where they have outcasts in the poor areas of the underground who either go to the surface, to change their casting or they don't. And the other interesting thing I think about dwarves is that because they're underground, they're like the face of fighting the darkspawn. So the darkspawn, at least in the first game, is your main enemy. And the darkspawn are, I guess, would be orcs in the equivalent of Tolkien. They rise up from the dark steps of an archdemon, calls them. So the archdemon is, like, technically was created by the Magister, which is a whole long other history of nonsense. But yeah. essentially, it's an old god that then calls upon uh, the Darkspawn to fight and kill and basically take out the world. And the only defense are dwarves, because they're down there. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're just at the front lines, kind of like Gundor is, um and then gray wardens which is what you play in the first game. So then this is your real first history lesson is learning about the dark spawn.
1: Yeah, so this is something which maybe you can explain to me better because you've played Origins more than I have. Why is it that the wardens can fight the dark spawn? Because if you have a sword and you stick it, won't it die or do you have to be a gray warden to kill them? Cuz that seems like a caveat. <laughs> It's kind of complicated. More or
0: less, it's not so much that, like, a regular person can't kill Darkspawn, because, I mean, dwarfs are regular and they kill Darkspawn. It's that, as a Grey Warden, the whole joining is you drink Darkspawn blood, and it kills you or you gain abilities. So you have these abilities where you can sense Darkspawn, and so then you just understand them on a deeper level, more or less. So then, like, you can learn their tactics easier if you know how to read the calling and all that kind of stuff. You're also immune to the blood because the blood is poison and will kill you, which is why they drink it. They're just more equipped to deal with them. It's not so much that nothing else can kill them.
1: Okay, so then I guess before we kind of move on from this, I should mention the last race, because it would be weird if I just didn't. There is one more race. They're called the Cunari. They're kind of unique to Dragon Age. Like, Okay, I always have this thing where whenever I play games like this, like I do the same thing in World of Warcraft. Whenever I see the ones with the horns, I'm like, eh, those are basically Tieflings. For anybody <laughs> who's ever played D&D, it's basically Tieflings. But they're very different. Like, it's kind of hard to explain the Kunari because they're like these big, horned... I mean, they're humanoid, but they have, like, a really big class system. And they kind of have, like, their whole language. I mean, I guess not that the dwarves and the elves don't. But, like, they have this whole system, and it's, like, very different from any other race, like, Tolkien or otherwise. I can't really, like, compare them to anything else.
0: Well, I think what's so hard about them is that the games don't even explain them that well. Like, unless you're reading all the codexes, which I sometimes do. But with Kunari, it's so hard to really learn about them because I think that's the concept. They're supposed to be difficult to understand because, one, they have something called the Qun. Which is like their religious pact. It's how they decide what they're going to do. And it's the whole race follows this. It's not like in humans or elves or dwarves where you can divert from that or have different
1: ideas. Well, it's also confusing too because like other people can join the Kunari. They're like the The Cune. They the, they don't know. The Talbashoth join... or whatever. Or not the Talbot. I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's like if you're an elf, you could join them. But then you're not called a kunari so like it's very confusing because like they're all kunari but not not if you're an elf kunari you're called something completely different well they don't join the kunari they join the kune and they try to
0: understand this religious side of it but then like the kunari still it comes back and forth sometimes the kunari are like they are kunari and they take them in as such and then other times they're just like they're less than us and like what is Make up your mind. Like, you can't be just this one black and white way and then just suddenly decide to be great. It's like, no, your whole race is based on black and white. Like, I don't <laughs> understand. It's,
1: the point is, is that there is this other race. We're probably going to talk about them more because they do come up more. But also keep in mind, they're very difficult to explain. So if we mess anything up, I'm sorry. It's, they're very difficult.
0: So now we talked about the races and the kind of, you've got to feel for what the world is like. We're going to talk about Classes, And by classes, I mean, like, what you play as. Every game's a little bit different, but more or less, you've got mages, you've got warriors, you've got rogues. There's divisions amongst them. So if you play a rogue, you could be a ranger or an archer or stealth. And then if you play as a warrior, you can be a tank, which can be noted as a Templar, or basically a berserk can be the DPS side of it. I can't think of the other ones. I never play warrior in any game I play, so it's hard for me to, like,
1: <laughs> about it. I just know. I've I mean, There's like, it's complicated. I mean, yeah, you'd be like the tank. You can be like, well, I think that's more the magic one because you can be like a magic tank. I know all about the magic. I'm fully equipped to talk about the magic. The war, yeah. I'm trying to talk more about like well, Templar. Okay. You can be like one-handed or two-handed. I think that's it. But then I think one's tankier. I think those are like the three. It's like one-handed, two-handed, or really tanky. <laughs>
0: well, every one of them has three. And I think the three for warrior is Templar. Champion and the Berserk, which I can't remember. The Berserk is you unlock it when you do the Andraste's Temple with the Dragons of Blood and all that. I've unlocked every yeah. class, <laughs> regardless of not
1: playing. Well, them. I think it does also change in each game because yeah. I played it a little bit in Inquisition, and I can't remember all the names. I mean, I know one. It's one is always Templar, which we should talk about Templars because yes, we will. I think the Templars are important. That's why I wrote that <laughs> in. I was
0: like, I want to remember the class names. Yeah. But they're all kind of at core. Every game has some variation of these, even if the skill tree is different. And the mages, there's Blood Mage, which we'll talk about that when we talk about Templars. So Blood Mage, there's the Knight. uh, Arcane Warrior is what it's called, which they can wear plate armor, they're a tank. That's what I always play, because it's awesome. And then there's the Shapeshifter, which is self-explanatory and is really... Mostly in game one. <laughs> if I'm being yeah, because they're all di- they're different they're different. I they just recently played replayed Inquisition. I played
1: as a mage actually and they're different.
0: Inquisition, it's the fade rifter or however they say it. Yeah. Where you have more control over the fade. There's the necromancer, and then there's still
1: the arcane knight, but it's called something different. Yeah, it's, I think it's the knight enchanter. Knight commander, knight yeah. enchanter. And then if you're a rogue, you can be a roguie rogue, you can be an archery rogue. And I think the third one. Mm-hmm. Ranger, ranger.
0: Well, you can be a bard technically, and the bard and the ranger are combined. So then you can, oh. yeah. So then you can play a song to make your companion stronger, and also summon a wolf because that's the one I did.
1: <laughs> okay, that's I. This wasn't something I think I was aware of. Yes, because <laughs> normally when I play, just to give you an idea of Julie and I's personalities, although we've already said before, this is not indicative of who we are as people. <laughs> Julie always plays a mage, and I always play a roggy rogue. Yeah. <laughs> so, the stabby, stabby knife rogue. I don't. That's, that's Krista's secret personality. <laughs> if I can, because sometimes I can't, and then it always annoys me. Because some games don't like you to be the stabby, knifey rogue, and they make it bad. Like in Dragon Age 2, but we're <laughs> not there yet. So, anyway. <laughs> okay, so one of the specific classes that we should mention, just because they end up being a very important part of this game, are Templars. I feel like this is going to get complicated very fast. (laughs) But basically in this world, you have mages and you have Templars. And they're kind of intertwined together. I mean, especially Templars, because a Templar's job is basically to control mages. As Julie was saying before, there's a lot of blood magic and blood magic leads to demons and all of this kind of crazy stuff happening. Um, And that ends up being kind of a plot point here and there, that, like, you'll have mages, they'll be doing some blood magic, and people are like, what the shit? And Templars don't like it, because then they have to go deal with it.
0: Yes, but Templars, over time, have become very corrupt. Who would have thought a society would do that? Give some law enforcement ultimate power, and then they'd become corrupt. Hmm. Anyway, uh, so... (laughs) Because, well, one of the key components about Templars is they get their abilities to fight mages and to combat them with lyrium, which is also what mages use to give them their magic ability. Think of it as, like, mana. It's like a mana potion. Templars become addicted technically to lyrium. It's part of their training is to become addicted to the substance so that they're easily controlled
1: and also have this power at all times. And it, like, helps them so that way the mages can't mess with them, right? I don't know if it it makes them immune, but, like, it makes it harder it gives them a glimpse of magic so like think of lyrium as pure magic in a way
0: so they learn a- the way to use it and defense spells against mages specifically and then it just gives them more power and ability as it is
1: anyway we just wanted to mention that before we get into things because you're gonna hear us talk about templars a lot and i know templars are in a lot of things here templars mean anti-mages essentially the po-po. <laughs> for-, for mages for mages <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess so. They're like... (laughs) They're like wardens for... Yeah. So now, I think it's time to talk about Dragon Age Origins.
0: Yeah, which we're going to let Krista start because she has a reason. We'll we'll just let her start.
1: (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) the thing that Julie wants me to talk about is... So I have problems with Dragon Age in general. (laughs) One, the first problem, this is going to come up several times... The first problem I have is I can't beat Origins. (laughs) I have tried. I want to say probably three or four times. And I don't know why. I have really bad luck with this game. It glitches out every time. Also, (laughs) the other thing that's very annoying is it normally glitches out after I get out of the fucking (laughs) fade. So, (laughs) I, (laughs) I have never beat this game. I know all about this game so we don't really need to like talk about it like in a way of spoilers for me I know what happens in the end I know all that stuff I've looked it up I got to a point where I got very sick of it because I was like look I love this game but also I can't beat it it's (laughs) cursed yeah every time I try the game breaks (laughs) so I do I do really like the game though mainly for story aspects I mean that's pretty typical of me Especially, like, I think for me, I think the biggest hook for me was how open the beginning is, which Dragon Age Origins is the most open of all of these games. Your beginning story, which you pick, is pretty much different in a lot of different ways. You can't be Qunari in this one, but you can be elf, human, and dwarf. And you can be noble or... I don't remember what they say for the other one is, but not noble. <laughs> and there's different stories for all of those. And then there's also a different story if you pick being a mage. And they're all completely different. Like, they're just very unique stories. Yeah, I would
0: definitely say that is probably my favorite aspect about Dragon Age Origins. I've... Okay, put in perspective, I have every achievement for this goddamn game. So I've done everything you can. And one of the achievements is you played every beginning all the way through. And it does impact the game. Like, for instance, I always play mage to start out. The mage story is the most boring out of all of them, sadly. But it affects your uh, mission when you go to Redcliffe. Because you know the mage there because he was part of your beginning story. So that changes your dialogue options and your perspective on this individual quest. Alternatively, if you play the noble human, you can become the lord of Ferelden. That is a thing you can do, which obviously yeah. is a big impact on the game. <laughs> yeah, you can become um, king or queen, right? Yeah, you can marry Alistair if you're a female and say that both of you rule. Or you could just be like, hell, I'm noble, fuck you.
1: I'm going to be the king of Ferelden. Also, you can't do this if you pick the other one. No. So, like, it's very... this. Ge- There's a lot of options for this game. Or even, like, um, if you pick the noble dwarf, can't you, like, you'll see somebody from when you were doing that section, and you were like, hey, we had a thing. We kind of liked each other. (laughs) No, that cracks me up every time. So if you pick the noble dwarf,
0: you can become king or queen of Ozemar. Oh, okay. Hmm. So that changes in that aspect, because you know both the families fighting for the crown when you go down there, which I find super interesting. But the other thing is, is, like, your right-hand man. So when you go to Denerim, there's just this random dwarf in the city that goes... Dwarven crafts. And any other character, you can completely ignore him or go buy crafts from him. But if you're this noble dwarf, you can go up and be like, Hey! <laughs> I know you! Because he was your right-hand man. And if you're a female, there's even, like, a romantic aspect seemingly to it. And you could just be like, What happened? What and you have all this whole dialogue with him that you don't have in the other games. He doesn't do anything with you. Like He doesn't and you, go you off. You can and
1: be like, Can we still be in love? And he's like, Shh,
0: Yeah, he's no. a was That was a one-time. He's just like... I have a different life now. You need to lead without me. Like, I'm just holding you back. And there's nothing left. <laughs> You're just like, okay, this is awkward. Bye.
1: <laughs> but anyway, the whole point of this is, is that this is definitely a game where your choice matters a lot. And you get a lot of different pathways and things that you can do depending on what you pick. If that's something that interests you, play this game. So, I, this is my favorite Bioware game, I would
0: say. I know Jade Empire is yours, but this is mine. This is my favorite Bioware game. And one of the reasons why is the battle tactics are amazing. You can have, like, four pages of in-depth tactical AI detail. I can tell every party member what to do at any time, anything that happens, which to me, that's just so amazing, because that's one of the most aggravating things about having a full party is that someone drinks all your potions. You're like, you fucked, if you're dying... Die! Like, stop using all my potions! <laughs> you can set every single character to do exactly what you want. If it's a character you don't care about, that doesn't really add a lot to the fight, you tell them you are never allowed to drink a potion. You just die. <laughs> like, you have all this setup, You have the tank that they guard you specifically. Like, the tactics in this game are amazing, and I wish they kept them,
1: because <laughs> they were just so great. They're the best of any game. That is something that I do enjoy when RPGs do that. Because, I mean, for anybody who kind of knows about this so like for example something like Final Fantasy or Kingdom Hearts where they'll do like this live gameplay you know you can go and you can button mash and stuff I normally I hate that because it ends up feeling like kind of cheap like it's somewhere in between step-by-step RPG and then just fully being there and I'm like I wish I could just stop (laughs) I just want to pick what all of you guys do this is so distracting how do I make him do what I want him to do I know some people like this better, but for me personally, I I prefer tactics in a lot of ways.
0: (laughs) Well, with games, it's a hard balance. I think a game very much, the tactics have to be absolute idiot-proof kind of thing, where if you don't know anything about how to play this game, the tactic has to allow for that. So you set the setting on easy, and everybody kind of has an automatic, intuitive fighting style. But then when you go to insanity... You have to learn how that tactic works and manipulate it to what you play as, which is exactly what Dragon Age does. If you don't want to look into all these tactics, they have an auto set that's pretty like rudimentary and functions, especially on easier levels. But if you're like me and you want that achievement to play and beat this game on insanity, you have to obsess and fixate and fix all of those tactics to perfectly fit how you play this game and the party members you have within your party. And I think that makes a perfect gameplay. Now I guess we should talk about the characters, because that's another aspect of Dragon Age Origins that makes the game great. My favorite character is Alistair, because I love a good choir boy. <laughs> they call him a good choir boy in the game, so that's, that's yeah, what I'm going with. Because he was a Templar, right? Yes. Well, he was part of the Chantry. He was in the Chantry like, when he was a boy. So like oh, he was okay. a choir boy in that aspect. And then, essentially, they didn't know what to do with him, so they're like, go be a Templar. <laughs> And then he just ends up
1: becoming a Grey Warden.
0: Which, yeah, he's the very, like, least Templary character I've ever met. <laughs> like, but
1: that's what he does. <laughs> so it's just really funny in that yeah, way. Yeah, so he's just, like, nice and kind yeah. of awkward. <laughs> that's exactly. basically his
0: character. Well, I just realized we didn't even talk about, like, any part of the story of the game. Mm. So you're a Grey Warden now. <laughs> um,
1: Harry, you're a Grey do Warden. do we want to... We should talk about the story at least a little bit.
0: The story of Dragon Age, no matter what your beginning is, you end up in Ostagar, which is the most annoying fucking quest. It's so annoying because, one, I think it was part of the demo originally. I think you fight in Ostagar as your demo because they have the really epic cutscenes there. So no matter what your beginning is, you end up fucking up somehow. Either someone comes to get you or you fuck up or whatever happens. And Duncan, the leader of the Great Wardens, has to come and save you. Great Wardens can take anyone and make them into a great warden. So if you're a criminal or a runaway or a mage or anything, well, they're called apostates when they're runaway mages. But if you're any of those things, a great warden could be like, no, you're not. Now you're a great warden. (laughs) So Duncan comes and saves your ass. And without your choice, like, you either are going to die or you go with Duncan. So you go with Duncan. Mm -hmm. And then you go through the joining, which is how you become a great warden. And it's very harrowing,
1: as they put it, your then-partner-in-crime is Alistair. Well, do we want to talk first, because I think we haven't really talked about this too much. Uh, why would you become a Great Warden? Why is that important all of a sudden? They're
0: recruiting Great Wardens because there's a Blight coming, which is like we were talking about the Darkspawn. That's the Darkspawn coming from Underground to take over the world, more or less.
1: See, I think that this point is particularly important, because for whatever reason, this is not in the other games. No. This aspect—I mean, Gray Wardens are still around, but like the aspect of the Blight, the War of the Demons. Oh my gosh, everything is ending. It's well, what's not- really funny—what's really funny about the second game is that it starts in the middle
0: of Lothering when the Blight takes it. So it is an aspect, but it's like you just completely forget about it. <laughs> like you yeah. change continents and say "fuck all." <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of funny in that way that to you in the Origins game, this is your life. This is the end of the world. This is you saving it. From the games after this, they almost talk about Grey Wardens like they're fanatics, like they're insane. Yeah. And even in Inquisition, they actually use that against them. So all you know about Grey Wardens is that you are one and that you're saving the world. So from there, you have Alistair, who's my boy. Basically, in Ostagar, (laughs) you lose. Everybody loses. King Caelan dies, who's the king of Ferelden. Duncan dies. Like, all these leaders die. And it's just you and Alistair, who's just poor baby boy. Like, he doesn't know what to do. He's yeah. your, like, commanding officer at this point. And he's just like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I don't know you, but you're probably better at leading than I am. And I'm like, that's okay, baby boy. That's fine. And witch, I mean, that's, that's protagonist. Yes, that's, you're the hero of Eldon. And...
1: Which, that is your cue. That's your, like, title. Is the, every game has a title. And you are the hero of Ferelden. Yeah, and it's it's such a cop-out. But, yes, it's because they want to be able to refer to them again. And they can, you know, because you can choose your own name and your gender and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So, in order to get around that, they're like, oh, you know, in Inquisition, they're like, the hero of Ferelden. So, that way, they don't have to say, Derek. (laughs) Derek. (laughs) Well, it's not like anyone comes up
0: with a good name. Anyway. So, you get saved by a witch who has a huge background that you don't know about yet, and her daughter, Morgan, who is your second party member at this time. Who
1: is my least favorite character in this game. I like how she interacts with other characters a lot. I do, but this will come back up. I cannot stand the characters that are blood mages. Well, she's not. No, she is. She's a shifter. No, she is, because she's fine with it. And that's the problem. That's the same reason why I don't like Meryl. Okay. She's
0: not a blood mage by class. She is a no. shapeshifter by class and then just happens to dabble
1: in blood magic occasionally. Yes.
0: Other than that weird side, that DLC where she's a brood mother.
1: I still don't understand that at all. <laughs> we can come back to this when we get to DA2, but I have no problem with her as a character. Just the same as I have no problem with Meryl as a character. It's just, I don't like the characters where they make everybody else angry. Yeah. And so you have to, like, if you're going to make them happy, you have to devote yourself to them.
0: Well, I'm going to take this moment to talk about another detail of Origins I love. Depending on how—this happens in all the games, actually, but in Origins, depending on how you arrange your party, your party members talk to each other, like, while you're walking around, which I think is the best bit. It's so great in all three games, but in the first game, you get a Kunari on your team. Well, actually, he's optional. You don't always get him if you don't fight for him, but essentially you get a canary on your team named Den and she hits on him incessantly. And it's just so funny. Cause he just goes, Ugh. like he just ignores her. And she's just like, thinks it's the funniest thing to hit on him. And at one point, I don't know like how long you have to have them together or if it happens in a certain area, but it happened. I just stopped playing. I was just listening to their conversation. Essentially she hits on him and is very blunt about it. She's just like, you know, I think you could go all night. He's like, I can but you're gonna need a fucking shield to hold in your teeth so the screaming wouldn't help. <laughs> like, he goes into this vast detail about, like, how horribly rough this sex would be. He's like, is that what you want? Am I coming to your tent tonight? And she goes, N- no. <laughs> like, i just like, stop talking.
1: <laughs> there's all kinds of ones like that. Because I, w- I was looking up a bunch of quotes from this game. And I know there's one with, like, um Aveline and Isabel that's, like, kind of the similar thing. Yeah cuz like she when she ends up with her guy or whatever, Isabella's is like, "So, how was, you know, like all that?" And then Aveline's like, "Okay, just get it out of your system." And she like goes on this very long like asking <laughs> all of these particular details and stuff, and eventually Aveline is just like, "He's a very proficient lover." Leaving me <laughs> <all that." laughs>
0: so. Yeah. I love it's just one of the few it's one of the details I love about these games. They're so ridiculous about the characters. But to end, like, this grand overtalk about origins, <laughs> essentially you gotta go kill the Archdemon. A whole lot of shit happens in between. That's all political and cool and weird, and you learn about this species and all that kind of stuff, including some cursed werewolf thing that I find really interesting that we're not gonna talk about. But eventually, you kill the Archdemon, which a big plot point, that's a spoiler, is that the other reason why Grey Wardens are the ones that have to kill Darkspawn is because they are the only ones that can kill an Archdemon. No other class can kill an archdemon, technically, because they have to have that blood within them to be able to do it. They have to be connected to the old god in order for it to be killed.
1: But also, there is also that other thing about it, too, which is kind of also a spoiler. (laughs) Is that if you fight the archdemon you kill it, you also die.
0: Yes. The blood comes from the archdemon and goes into you and kills you, more or less.
1: So that becomes also a plot point more towards the end of the game. And, you know, kind of can affect things. I mean, depending on what... There's a lot of different endings to this game. And depending on how things go, I mean, other characters from different games will talk about it and it can't come up.
0: Well, the big thing I think is if you... Spoiler. If you do the bit where you impregnate Morgan or have Alistair impregnate Morgan, she takes the old god's blood and soul into the baby, And in Inquisition, she has a kid and there's like a side quest because he gets lost in some realm (laughs) because he's insane because he's an old god. So (laughs) in Inquisition, she'll have a kid and like, that's a whole thing you can do, which I (laughs) like again. I love the details of these games. So little things like that. Really interesting. And I think the funniest bit about how you choose your ending is what happens to Alistair. Because in game two, if you pick like to be in love with him and like run off with him as a Grey Warden and you don't let him be king or anything like that then he comes to Dragon Age 2, like, he comes to Kirkwall and is a part of the fight and gives you an amulet saying it's from, like, the hero of Ferelden. Yeah. The alternate is, if you die, if you're in love with him and you decide to kill the Archdemon and you die, he's a drunk in the yeah. bar in Dragon Age 2, which I love. And then the third one is, if he's, like, the leader of Ferelden he just sends you a letter, like, Kirkwall sounds like it sucks. Sorry about your life.
1: <laughs> like, no, I think if he's... I think they Because I swear, when I played it, he came and he was king. I saw him. I don't know. I might have picked a very particular thing or something, Maybe. but he definitely came and was like king and it was I know weird. he's miserable.
0: And I thought he sent you a letter about being the king of Froden, because you asked for his help.
1: No, I swear, unless there was something really weird going on. Cause it wasn't like I don't think it was the fighty option. Like he was just he came into the room and was like, hey, hey hawk. <laughs> that's exactly it.
0: He's <laughs> yeah, <that's-> also <laughs> If you have him still be a Grey Warden, in Inquisition he becomes like the leader of the Grey Wardens. So then he's even in Inquisition
1: if you play your game right. Which I Yeah, they think. like to put Alistair in everything. Well, I love having Alistair, Alistair in everything, so it's fine. Alistair, uh, kind of Liliana, but not really. Because I feel like Liliana is maybe mentioned in two. Maybe she's there, I can't remember. For some reason I want to say she's like I think you can briefly, bump into her. Like b- very briefly. but, but Since I, don't I hate know, her, I don't this. really pay attention I think that wraps up origins. So, with all of this, we get to go we get to go into the divisive game, which is even divisive in this room. <laughs> so, because um Krista really hates this yeah, game. <laughs> I really don't like this game. There's there's a few reasons. One is they took away a lot of things from Dragon Age Origins, so a lot of the things that we talked about where, you know, there's a lot of paths, there's a lot of options, there's a lot of, like, stories that you can take, and essentially what they did is they whittled it down to one story. And also, also, for anybody who wants to play this game, keep in mind, your story only really matters if you're a mage, (laughs) which is part of the reason why I didn't like this game, and I think Part of the reason why Julie liked it better than I did because Julie always plays mage first. I always play as a rogue first. To be fair, you you still have a story if you're a rogue. It's just this story is so much about mages and templars that if you pick being a rogue or a warrior or whatever, it kind of feels like you're just watching the story happen. Yeah, it feels like you're not really supposed to be there or be a part of it. So do you want to give? Like, a main kind of rundown of the story before we start just, like, I guess before I start
0: raging. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it's divided into four acts. So the first act is, technically this starts in the middle of Dragon Age Origins, pretty early on. You're in a town called Lothering, which, by the middle of Dragon Age Origins, is completely taken over by the Blight. And you and your family, which is your two siblings and your mother, are trying to run away from Lothering. And one of your siblings dies, which depends on what class you pick. Because essentially they just keep the opposite class alive. So if you pick mage, the mage dies. If you pick warrior or rogue, the fighting style dies. Which does also suck if you're a mage. You get Carver, who's literally the worst. (laughs) He's just a dick to you. He just hates you. Yeah. Bethany is fine. She's just like, I'm just happy to be here. (laughs) But I think that's the, the other concept they were trying to make is like, you have a family member that's directly affected by the mage in Templar War. So I think that was their way of trying to, like, cope with your issue where you're like, I'm not a mage, so none of this matters. is that your sister is, so you're supposed to care about your sister.
1: I'm supposed to. You're supposed to.
0: That's probably the unique thing about this game that I love and hate at the same time is that they make your family important. With every other Bioware game, you don't really have a family when you really think about it. Or if you do, it's, like, brief or in the back past of your life. Your crewmates, your party members, are your family. They become your family. Dragon Age 2 diverted from that where they are like, no, you actually have a family that you care about and stuff. So, like I said, I both love and hate that aspects of it. But you leave Luthering and you go to your uncle's house or attempt to, which is in Kirkwall. That's where your mom's family's from. Come to find your uncle's a piece of shit and you don't have any money and he can't get you into the city because everybody had the same idea as you to go leave Ferelden and go to Kirkwall. So the first act is just you getting money and trying to get a place in the city. So you
1: become like a smuggler or a mercenary for hire, that kind of idea. And you meet the best character, the only one that actually matters because they basically deleted all of the other ones. Beric! (laughs) Because Beric helps you because that's the whole
0: Deep Roads plot. Yeah, the second act is that you go to the Deep Roads. So you're saving up money in the first act to go on an expedition to the Deep Roads to get all your wealth and glory so you can have
1: a wonderful family. You do that through him. Like you meet him and he's like, hey, we got this plot. And you're like, shit, I need money. So I'll give shit. you money.
0: And I also need to go get this mage who knows some things. And we all fucking hate. <laughs> right. So that's act two is that you go to the deep roads and dire horrible things may happen or not. That kind of stuff. So you deal with all that. And you come back a hero. As in, you have money now. People know who you are. You're great. And then act three, I think, is the canary
1: excursion to distract you and move the plot, I guess. Well, I think that I can't remember. What's the when's the point that you become the champion of Kirkwall? Because that's a big. It's thought. after the canary because right essentially okay. you go and save the Viscount's son. Okay. Because
0: Evangeline becomes like the head guard, and she's just like, "Hawk, they're going to hire you," and you're like, "What if I don't want to do it?" And she's like, "You're going to fucking do it." I'm like, fine.
1: <laughs> I'm <laughs> so here.
0: I'm here, I guess. Um. So then, yeah, you do the Canari excursion nonsense, and then you become the hero of Kirkwall because they were going to take down all of Kirkwall. There's a big battle. And then after that you have to deal with the mage templar explosion happening
1: which has been happening throughout this whole entire story. Like that is I said this kind of at the beginning, but this is like the main plot point that keeps happening over and over and over again is that the mages and templars are really having a bad time. A bunch of mages keep trying to leave and a bunch of templars are like I really wish you wouldn't do that and then keep doing questionable things. <laughs> and you have to keep being there like Hmm. Am I a mage? Because if I'm a mage, it doesn't make any sense for me to choose the opposite option. Or am I not a mage and I want to be a dick? Well, the funny thing <laughs> I, I like about that is they make such a
0: point to say, like, all mages have to be part of the circle or they're evil. And then you could just be like the hero of Kirkwall. Like, I'm a fucking mage. I'm an apostate. Who's going to touch me? Like, I, I find it funny that nobody tries to take you and put you in part of the circle. Like, the closest you get is, like, the Knight Commander's kind of like, I guess I have to respect you. And you're like, why, though? And you don't respect any other mage? Like, why am I so significant? Like, I know I have money now. Because you're
1: special. Yeah, I have money now, but I didn't always. You're so. the protagonist. Exactly. It's, it's, like, the same thing. I mean, we can talk about this when we get to Inquisition, but, like, this a similar thing happens in Inquisition. But... Tensions are rising between the Templars and Mages, and then finally it overflows, and they decide to attack each other. And part of the reason that it overflows is a really sore point for both of us. Fucking Anders. God. Well, I think what pisses
0: me off so much about that, you can't do anything, no matter what. With everything else in Dragon Age, it's always like you can at least tip the scales, even if it still happens. You can change your impact on why it happens. Not with this. No matter what. He's Andrews is just like, hey, can you help me with this loyalty mission? You're like, no, fucking hate you. And then you just end up in the right area. And he's like, okay, let's do my loyalty mission. I'm like, what? No, I didn't sign up for this. I don't want to do this. I know what this ends in. No. <laughs> I won't be a part of this. <laughs> like, it's just that's what makes me so mad about it. Is like no matter what you do, your role in this horrible instant never changes. Yeah, The closest to changing is you can just decide to behead Anders, not that it matters, like,
1: or not. Yeah, that, which, I mean, we didn't really say what what Anders does. Because we don't care about Anders, because he's a piece of shit. <laughs> well, okay, but, you know, I want to mention it, because this gets into some of the things that I dislike <laughs> about this game. The, okay, so, Anders, he's like a rebel, mage, whatever, and I think part of the reason that this is a sore point There's not really a lot of great romances in this game, and that's part of it. And and so one of the things for me that's particularly frustrating is, for example, um, one of the side characters who has also a romance, her name is Meryl, which is like one of my least favorite characters, has nothing to do with what she's like as a person because she's very pleasant. Actually, that's like her whole personality is like essentially she's very pleasant. However... She is a blood mage. So what that means is pretty much everybody except for, I think, Anders. Well, actually, maybe not even Anders. Like, Varric hates her anytime she does anything because like she'll be like oh I want to go look at this like tomb or whatever and you're like okay and you'll use it and she accidentally makes you do blood magic and then everybody gets a whole bunch of negative points because you did blood magic and you're like what the fuck Meryl wasn't that fun? (laughs) fuck you (laughs) no (laughs) I spent so much time trying to get these people to like me and I get that that's part of what they were trying to set up is they were trying to really like put this line right down the middle. And they're like, okay, you have to pick a side. You have to pick which one you want to be on. And it's like, that's really hard for me. Because one person. Yeah. When you give me companions, because I want all of my companions to like me and you make it impossible. (laughs) She's the worst. You just leave her out of your party and then
0: do her loyalty missions with only Beric. That's
1: the key. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's like, most of your party is like moderately in favor of mages. But then there's a few of them. I mean, Fenris, he hates them. But then there's, like, a few of them that are more like, I think they should have restrictions because sometimes they turn into demons and that's not great. <coughs> Anderson. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Fucking Anders.
1: And you're like, well, I mean, that's fair, but also, like, I feel bad because, like, I keep seeing mages in front of me getting beaten up. So, like, you're not giving me, like, a very gray choice here. It's either, like, yeah, am I okay with them getting beaten up or am I not there's no like I don't want them to get beaten up but also they shouldn't turn into demons because
0: <laughs> you either hate them or you love them there's no between
1: yeah and the Templar option is very much the dick option which is like what I was saying at the beginning with you know Bethany or whatever or if you're a mage and you can like side with the Templars it's like Templar option becomes the biggest move because
0: you find out the Knight Commander's insane so then you find out the whole reason why the Templars are being so overbearing is because she's fucking insane. It's not because they actually need the restrictions as much they do. And then essentially the Templars push the mages into becoming what they're afraid of them becoming because it's that survival is using those tactics that they're so afraid of or dying. Like there's no in between, at least in their eyes. And I want to say this about Anders. The other thing that makes me so mad about Anders is I actually like his story up until that point. And then I'm like, I don't give a shit who... Any part of you. Every part of you needs to be in the ground. <laughs> like, I don't care. Because he's in Origins. as a DLC. And you get to learn, like, how he became part of Justice, which is a spirit or demon, if you want to call it. Because they in Dragon Age, they don't really distinct the two, spirits and demons, even though they, they are in a way. But anyway, Andrews has this, like, demon within him that works with him. It's super interesting. And he's even kind of funny. He talks about Sir Pounce a lot. And he's, like... This healer of older people. Like, he seems like this great person, which I'm sure was intentional so that you didn't hate him as much as you do when he blows up the fucking chantry
1: and ruins everything. Yeah, I think that's the first time we've actually said that. He he blows up the chantry, which ends up... That's, like, the hot pot for the whole war against the Templar mage thing at that point.
0: So, it's already kind of happened that, like, the Templars and the mages are about to fight. So the only, like, third party is... The Divine, which is leader of the Chantry, which is the church. And she is essentially the only reason why they haven't fought yet. She keeps coming in the middle and is like, we need to find common ground. Like, the mages need to have freedoms, but the Templars also need to know, like, when to stop and step in. And they're about to stop. Like, you you and the Mother or the Divine or whatever, you're sitting there and you're about to end the war. And then fucking Anders blows up the Chantry... And the divine. Like, essentially, they depart and, like, everyone's calmed down. And he kills the divine, the one person that made it to where they're like, yeah, we're not gonna fight. So, of course, the Templars are like, well, fuck all this! Like, she was the only reason why I wasn't gonna kill you anyway. And then you killed her! Mages killed her! And the mages were like, that was one guy! Like, it wasn't us! We swear to God!
1: Like... I love how I set this up as I'm the one you do like about this game right (laughs) because I mean okay to a certain aspect I do also have things that I like about this game I don't like completely hate this game it's just it's not what I want really and I think like the thing that I've always said is that I would be fine with this game if it wasn't Dragon Age like I don't have a problem with the con because like for one thing to me it feels like the kind of game where they wanted to have a certain story And so it makes sense to me if this were a game where, I don't know, maybe you could choose being a guy or a girl, but then you are automatically a mage. And then that's the story. That's like kind of what it feels like they wanted to do. But because Dragon Age was a part of that, they got kind of in this weird zone. Well, for one, when we decided to start talking about this, I came up with
0: my version of Dragon Age 2, which made me like Dragon Age 2 a lot less (laughs) think. In the transition of, like, these two weeks of us discussing this episode, I think I've slowly hated Dragon Age 2 more, because <laughs> I've researched it more, and, like, the stuff I used to just ignore pinpricks me now. I'm like, damn it, it's bullshit. Like I made you-, you hate it. You made me hate it more. <laughs> I don't mind playing it. It's a really quick game. And, I mean, I love watching Hawk's hips. Like, they're, it's just so enticing. They make her walk in such a way that I'm just, like, staring at her
1: hips all day. It is, I mean, well, it's an old game now. It's, like, what? Like, ten years old? I don't remember. But it still looks decent. But, and
0: it introduces Varric, which is probably my favorite character in the whole series. Even with Alistair as my boy.
1: I think at this point, I think we can start talking about the new one. Ooh. The one that I have... Definitely played all the way through because I didn't play two all the way through.
0: (laughs) So you haven't played a Dragon Age all the way through? (laughs) No, No, I I (laughs) didn't. Okay, (laughs) two? How can you're not
1: licensed (laughs) to talk on this episode? I know know about all of them. Okay, I played a lot of two. I just got to a point. I got through, and I think I played two a couple of times because I played it once and I didn't play very far, and then I played it again and I played like really far. But I got to a certain point where I just did not care anymore. And I put the game down and I never picked it back up. And it really annoys Julie, the part that I stopped playing at. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because it's actually not like too bad for the story. Like it's actually significant in the story. It was just the moment where I was like, because it's okay. We're already talking spoilers. I don't know why I'm dancing around this. It's the part where your mom dies. But I think it was just part of it was because I liked the mom character. And so once she died, I was like, do I care anymore? And then I decided no. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's one of the, like I said, I have trouble. I have hate and love for this, that your family matters, that you actually have a family. And I liked that part as, I mean, not in a dark, creepy, where I'm like, he dead mom. But like, I like that it impacted me, that it upset me. Because even though she's not in your party, You still love her. Like, she's your mom, and you still like her, and she's a big part of your life in this game, and then she's just gone. And I love how, like, the party members support you. Like, every character that doesn't hate you (laughs) comes to your mansion and talks to you. Like, how you doing? You're just like, well, every member of my family's dead, so great. I just saw my mother be necromanced to life, and I had to kill her, so that was wonderful. You know, it doesn't make me hate mages at all or understand the fight. Mm Mm-hmm. My mom's dead, so
1: yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep, I'm just gonna stare into this fire for hours yeah. and then. But I think it was just, for me, like, that part of the story was fine. It was just more the moment where I was like, okay, like, I really liked this character. This is, like, one less character now that I like, like, do I care anymore? And then I guess I ultimately decided no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> so, but anyway, moving on. Let's talk about Dragon Age Inquisition, which is new, about five years, and great. We both like this game, I think. I think you like this game. I feel like you've said <laughs> some conflicting things, so I'm not positive, but I like this game. Well, and I played it all. I did. Twice. Nearly four times. <laughs> oh, <So. laughs> well, I find so funny about this game, is that,
0: you know, I'll sit and tell anyone to play Origins all day, including you, But Inquisition, you had to talk me into playing. Because I got it, I was excited. I got the Collector's Edition, but because EA is a piece of shit, cheap nonsense, I returned it because it was all broken and stupid. So, I started playing this game. I think I put like five hours into it. Didn't like it. I was just like, I hate the tactics. I hate this realm. I hate the concept. I don't know what I'm doing or what's happening. I'm done. And I kind of just brushed it off. And then Krista came swooping in convince me to play it
1: i don't know how i am the julie game convincer it just seems like i have this power over you (laughs) it's very bizarre like because you've told me this like because i was the one that got you to play fable Uh, and i also got you to play don't starve for some reason but so part of the reason julie's talking about why she didn't like this game which this gets into one kind of tip for anybody who does play this game in this game, kind of one of the weird things is, is you can go to all of these different sections of Thetis, and you don't necessarily have to stay in them, which is very different from the other games. Like, if you went to Denerim, let's say, more than likely, like, you're gonna go and you're, like, gonna finish that story there. Like, it would be very weird for you to just stop and go somewhere else. You can. it Like, it wouldn't make sense for you to do that. However... In Inquisition, it's, like, the story plot points are so small in each section. So, like, you can go to the Hinterlands, which was one of the areas that Julie really (laughs) doesn't like. But the Hinterlands is, like, this massive area. You could spend forever in it. But what I found
0: so funny is I'm always surprised at the different opinions in video games. Like I mentioned in one of our early episodes, that Fable is a very different community than I thought it would be where... People have very different opinions about all three games, and I did not expect that. Dragon Age, everyone hates the Hitherlands, I found out, which I find hysterical, because I was I was on a forum, and one of the group members, like, it showed the dog with the, like, helicopter PTSD thing, and it said, I restarted
1: Dragon Age Inquisition, and I'm in the Hitherlands. <laughs> like, so everyone hates this part, so that's nice. It's really big. That's part of the problem with it, is it's like most of the other sections are like maybe like a third of the hinterlands which really the part's not that stressful like if you've played the game again it's not really so bad it's just like when you're first there and you don't really like understand how the game works and they just throw you into this section and you're like this is so wide where do i go what am i doing where's the next bit of story and then it's why like why do they have skulls over their heads oh god <laughs> yeah but then you kind of realize like you can back out And there's, like, different areas you can go to and, like, you can advance the story in different ways. I'm not necessarily saying this, like, this is a plus to this game. It's interesting. Some of the areas I really like, there's a few of them, like, later game that are freaking gorgeous and very pretty. Hinterlands, eh, it's fine. You've kind of already been to the Hinterlands before, which is the other thing that kind of sucks about It's, like, the first area they put you into is, like, essentially where um, Dragon Age Origins takes place. Redcliffe is, like, in that area. So, like, okay. it's like it's an area you've been to before. On the map, you can go between Orlais and Ferelden, and there's all kinds of different areas. There's a lot of areas that you've never been to. You can't go back to Kirkwall, though, so that's kind of a... Because they basically... Okay, so that's the thing that's interesting, is they basically decided that Dragon Age 2 didn't matter, and that the only thing that mattered was Varric. Because that's, like... Like, you can meet... Um, Hawk, so your main character from Dragon Age 2? She's a big plot point. And they are. Yeah. And they'll talk about like some of the stuff, but it's kind of just like Fenris is off doing this. And yeah. And that's, <laughs> and only Varric matters. Yeah. So the beginning of Inquisition
0: is Cassandra, one of your party members, questioning and interrogating Varric about what happens in Dragon Age 2 because they're looking for the hero of Ferelden and he's right. not giving them up.
1: So, with all this being said, let's talk about, like, what the vague story is of Inquisition. Inquisition is all about Corypheus.
0: Corypheus is an old god, so an arch demon in a way, but not in the same way as Origins. It's kind of complicated and convoluted. Oh, yeah, you know, he's a big baddie. You gotta kill him. And it's the reason why you are the person that has to kill him is because he's doing a ritual to open up these fade... Rifts to allow all the demons of the realms and everything to come onto the planet. He's trying to do that with this ancient artifact, and you, for whatever reason, are just walking by <laughs> and interrupt it yeah. <laughs> in the dumbest of ways.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're just there.
0: Yeah, I you wish just they would ex- burst. Yeah, in. you just burst. Essentially, the plot is <laughs> like you hear someone needs help, and you're just like, "What's going on in here?" Because that's what you would do at a church you're walking past, and like the um. The new divine is there while Corypheus is, like, murdering her, and she's just like, help me! <laughs> and you try to help her, and you grab this, um, arc. What's it? The they call it something else. I don't remember, but it's like a ball. It's a ball. It's an artifact ball. you grab it, the <laughs> anchor, and it creates the anchor in your hand. So the yeah. thing Corypheus is trying to do, you, like, sabotage And yeah, you accidentally do it. Yeah. So that's the beginning of it, and everybody's like, Hey, you caused this. You're like, Dude, I didn't cause this. And it opens up a bunch of fade
1: rifts all over the And continent. also, a really big one in the sky. Yeah. And like, everybody's pretty freaked out about that because you can see it, and it's like a giant hole yep. in the sky with and green lights coming out of it. All this stuff. And yeah, and then a bunch of like little ones are popping up everywhere too. And with your little cut in your hand that's all green, like the green fade rifts you can shut them closed and then make the demons stop coming out of them. Part of why you're important. But also, which I'll explain a little bit of this, part of the reason I really like this game is this game does a very good job of being grey, which is something I really enjoy because basically you're like a neutral party. You're kind of under the church, but also... Not entirely. Like, you can kind of make that distinction, which is kind of weird, but... Because you are, like, directly under the church, but then, like, later, you can make that distinction.
0: Well, it's kind of like the people put you there. So the people think you're the hand of Andraste, like, you're come back to save everyone. And there's various points in the game where you can just be like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> but you also can convince yourself of it. So you can even convince yourself, like, hey, I am the Herald. I am super awesome. I
1: am Jesus. Like... So it depends on... You can decide that for yourself, well, like she was saying. The point, too, that I was going to make about that is, like... So the Inquisition, which is what this game is named after, that does come from the Chantry. It's, like, part of it. But it's also not a part of it. It's it's a very bizarre point. But basically, you're a neutral party, neutral to the church, neutral to the mages, to the Templars, to the Grey Wardens, to, like, all of these different factions. And you can choose... Pretty much entirely, like, who you want to trust, who you want to believe, what sides you want to take in, like, all these different wars. So, for example, one of the things that I like that they did a lot better in Inquisition is the whole Mage-Templar thing. Because I didn't realize this, I think, until, like, the third time that I was playing with it. It's like, every everybody who gives you, like, a different side of that argument, they all make sense. Like, because the mages, their whole thing is basically like, hey, like, I just don't want to be super restricted. And it's like, okay, that's fair. And then the Templars are like, hey, but like, I don't want to be attacked by demons. And it's like, okay, that's fair. And then there's also one of your party members, which I don't really like her, but I agree with her point, is she's in favor of having the Circle be back. And her more, more of her thing is like, you know, no, people don't have to be super restricted under the circle, but it's, like, checks and balances. And I'm like, okay, that's also fair. (laughs) So it kind of puts you in this weird situation where it's like, okay, so, like, I (laughs) I guess I gotta pick one, but I feel like they're all fair points. (laughs) I don't know if we did a great job, like, really explaining the story because... It's just about
0: Corepheus, like... Kill Karypius.
1: Yeah. That is your whole point. With all the stuff in between. Yeah. You still just... The first point is your point. Like, kill (laughs) Karypius. Well, if that's the case, then I guess the next point of this that I can kind of mention is that there's a lot of great romances and side characters and things in this game. One being, I love Dorian. I have to say it. Dorian's the best. He's like... Okay, so here's the thing I have to have to mention about Dorian that I love, and... There's two things, right, that I wish were in every RPG ever. One of them is, I like it when it matters that you're friends with somebody. Because I really dislike it in games where the only thing that matters is if you romance them, and then that's it. So then if you don't romance them, their story essentially stops. Dorian, he has a part of his story where if you're good friends with him, like it does matter, and I love that. The other part... (laughs) which they kind of do this in Inquisition, I like it when you can make other people romance each other. That's a big thing to me, because I really hate it when everybody just loves you. That really annoys me to know it. (laughs) Well, the big point about Dorian is that Bioware
0: made a huge deal out of Dorian. Because technically, Dorian is the first gay character.
1: And Dorian's great, too. Like, he is legitimately one of my favorite characters oh, yeah. like he just has a really good story his whole shtick is kind of interesting because he's from Taventer, which Taventer's like the slave super magical place um so like Fenris who was a slave his master was a Taventer, but he disagrees with a lot of the Taventer stuff so like he's kind of trying to change it anyway the whole thing is is Dorian is great we love Dorian. I also really like Colin. I do actually really like Cassandra. Cassandra is a weird one because I think the first time I played the game, I really kind of didn't like her. But I kind of I started to like her kind of in the same way that I like Dorian. Like I like the way that she supports you like later in the game. She's very like, kind and like she'll talk with you and like but she's also kind of no bullshit. So it's just She's a nice kind of character to have on the side.
0: I love her bit with Varric in the book he writes. That's, like, Uh, my favorite bit.
1: Varric's back.
0: Yes, Varric is the best.
1: He's back. (laughs) The one who mattered. The one who mattered. (laughs) He came back.
0: Um, So then other than that, there's Iron Bulls in it. I don't spend
1: a lot of time with Iron Bull, if I'm being honest. So Iron Bull's a weird one because I know a lot of people really like his romance because it's really off the wall. It's the first time you get to date a Kunari. Iron Bull's a Kunari. (laughs) By the way, (laughs) sorry. That's the first time you get to do that. And his romance is like really like off the wall. The problem that I personally have with Iron Bull is he's very boring for a long time. Like you really have to get to know him. And also, especially at the beginning, he's like really in the cune. So a lot of his stuff just like revolves around that. And it's not really all that interesting. It's kind of interesting, but like, Not enough that like I enjoy talking with him about it, especially when he just talks in like a very monotone. Yeah, I don't spend a lot of
0: of time. (laughs) (laughs) I don't spend a lot of time with him to be honest. And then other than that, there's uh, Cole, which I find Cole's story and the whole concept of it very interesting. I don't love how like black and white the rest of the party is about him. So like anytime you do anything with Cole, there's a bunch of people that love it, a bunch of people that hate it. (laughs) So it's kind of aggravating. Because
1: he's half a ghost.
0: Which, (laughs) this is complicated. You can actually change him. You can change him to be, he's, because they don't separate spirits and demons, like we said, he's technically a demon in that aspect that he's not a living person. And you can move him one way or the other. You can move him more towards his humanity or move him more towards his spirituality or demon side. So it's very interesting, what were you going
1: to say? But he is half a ghost. There was there was some D or whatever that I was playing where it was like, oh, you can be half a ghost. And we were talking about it and you were like, Cole's half a ghost. Well,
0: he's <laughs> possessing a body, more or less. Like he's he's just weird. Just like that
1: though. Half ghost. Half ghost. <laughs>
0: That's like Danny Phantom. <laughs> okay.
1: That makes <laughs> more sense. Danny Phantom. Alright so who else Uh, there's Blackwall which I like Blackwall he was the first person that I romanced I just don't like where his story ends up which I I don't necessarily want to spoil that I'd let people play that it's just for me personally I think like the end of his story is kind of like it's not enough to me and that was all the beginning part like it was like oh great you know like this is all cool
0: Well, I think it's because his story seems huge, really twisty and weird, but it doesn't seem to change him, if that makes sense. He's still just the same kind of guy, and you're like, you went through all that shit, and you're still just you? Like, everybody else, these parts in their story have a big impact on who they are and how they change in your party, and he's the one who just stays the same, and that's really boring.
1: Then there's also... Josephine. Josephine. I like Josephine fine, but I romanced her, and I didn't like the romance. The romance was kind of a letdown to me. It was very boring. But as a character, she's great. She's very funny. Like, there's all these moments where you can come up to her and, like, interrupt what she's doing. Somebody will come up and be like, oh, Dorian says that he wants to go to this ball. And she'll be like, he can't go to this ball. He'll, like, offend these people because he's a Teventer and they don't like Teventers. And the other person's like, okay, well, Dorian said that if you're not able to, and she's like, fine, I'll tell him I'll do it. (laughs) And so she's like, she's got all these like little funny things. It's just her romance. Not, not for me.
0: Yeah. And then of course there's Liliana, which we don't really care about.
1: Which Liliana's not really, I mean, she's around. She's not really a party member. Well, Um,
0: neither are Josephine and Cullen technically, but she's. But you can't romance
1: them. Can you not romance
0: Liliana? I don't remember. No,
1: you can't. I don't try. <laughs> you can't look. She's there. She's, she can, she's tapped out. She's done with all these heroes and nonsense. If you romance her in the first one, she'll mention it. There's we're, also. We're distinctly
0: leaving out one character for like. No, we're not, because
1: there's two. Well, which I don't me- like either. Of I'm these. trying to remember all of them. That's why I was like, I don't it. like either of these last two that well, I'm not. leaving out. Is it just those two left though? Is what I'm wondering. Oh. No, there's three. Oh, no. All three of them. (laughs) Oh, shit. I don't like all three of them. (laughs) Oh, shit. Okay, Okay, what what order do I want to say this in, Just Let's say the elf
0: last, the super elf, and then (laughs) the one we both absolutely hate for second to last. Who's
1: the other one you're talking about? Vivian. All right. Just because Vivian, she, like, okay, so what I was saying before, I agree with her points. I disagree with how annoying she is. She really annoys me with the way that like she talks and she's not a fun character to have in your party. So normally I, I thought I would like her a lot more. I think the first time I played and I had her in my party and then she kept saying all kinds of mean things to my other characters and I was like, I don't I, I don't like this.
0: Yeah, I just leave her on the balcony.
1: Because <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm a mage, so I mean I don't need your shit.
1: If I need a mage, I get Dorian. <laughs> yeah. Dorian's the best. That's also the other part of the problem. Okay, so then we'll talk about the optional character. Let's talk about Sarah. I was going to say the other elf. So, Sarah, the elf who doesn't want to be an elf, who is kind of the counter coin to Dorian, where they wanted to make a character that only liked females. However, I don't really like her. Although it sounds weird when I say it like that, because it's not because she's a lesbian. (laughs) It's just because... Because she's terrible. (sighs) She's... I don't know. Like, I think it's the same problem that I have with Meryl, where it's like, if you were in a different game and the rules were different, I'd be fine with it. My problem with Sarah particularly is it just doesn't feel like she fits in this game. She's, like, her whole thing is basically that she doesn't like authority. And it's like... I am the authority. (laughs) I am essentially a king. So why are you here? And it's weird because... There's, like, a couple characters that you can basically, like, kick at any time. And Sarah is one of those. Just because her whole thing is so weird, you can, like, at any time, just be like, yeah, I don't think you fit in. Why don't you leave? I never pick her up.
0: The first playthrough, I didn't know she was a character. And I was talking to somebody, and they're just like, oh, you don't have Sarah? She's the funniest. I love that character. I'm like, oh, cool. I'll get her. Then I hated her. I'm like, she's annoying as shit. I'm sure if this becomes popular, we're gonna get someone who loves Sarah and Rage is like, this is why she belongs,
1: and I love her. And I'm gonna be like... Nope. Still didn't convince me. She's terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. And like I said, if it was a different game, I think that she would be fine. Probably not. I mean, maybe Origins she would fit in better. I don't think she would fit in Dragon Age 2 because everybody is so dark and brooding in Dragon (laughs) Age 2. But like, that's really just my whole thing with her is like, she doesn't really fit in. I feel like a lot of the other characters have a very, like, they have a purpose for why they're there. And it makes sense and it matters and like you can resolve it and like it makes sense and gets resolved in the story in a way that matters. And for hers, the whole time I'm just like, why do you want to be here? Like, what is your purpose? What do you want resolved? Because I don't feel like why you're here like is getting resolved. Like she's like, I just want to protect the little people. And I'm like, how are you doing that? Because you don't do shit. (laughs) You're here like fighting a big demon with me. Okay. So now we get to talk about the elfiest elf who ever, who ever elfed. Elf. <laughs> Soulless. Solas. Is he your least favorite character? I think Sarah
0: is. <laughs> I'm being <laughs> square. Like, based solely on personality, is my least favorite. Solas, like, my first playthrough, I tried really hard. I was an elf. So, like, I did slightly romance him in the beginning and was talking to him a lot. He's interesting in that he's more like a scholar. And so that was appealing that I got to learn more about elven culture through him. But I mean, he's kind of a dick from the beginning.
1: Yeah, (laughs) he kind of unfortunately for me falls in that same category as Meryl, where if you try to like him, you're going to end up pissing off many of the other characters because a lot of his values or whatever are just misaligned with everybody else's.
0: Well, he's not necessarily for or against blood magic. I think he's against it, technically. He's like, that's an abomination. But, like, his whole thing is you don't destroy anything. Like, any artifact or anything of cultural value shouldn't be destroyed, even if it's evil inherently or could cause all this damage. It's a piece of history, and it belongs in the world because it's there. Or if you, like, disrespect
1: some ancient ritual, mm. he gets really pissy. Oh, no. He doesn't like, he doesn't like blood magic, and I remembered why. He doesn't like blood magic because his whole thing is he's about spirits. And so, like, to make a demon, like, with blood magic, you basically, like, take a spirit out and then you put them in a situation they're not made for and then it makes them go crazy. Yeah. So, like, he views them as, like, his friends and stuff. Like, you have just basically made his friend go ballistic.
0: I know he didn't like it. I just know that, like, the aspect of it wasn't necessarily the confliction. Like, it wasn't because it's inherently evil or uses blood or anything like that. It was just what it does to, like you said, the spirits. And yeah, yeah. Whatnot. He
1: has no problem with the magic. He likes the magic mm-hmm. stuff. He's a big magic guy, but it's just, yeah, he's for spirits, particularly. For spirit. Well, what's really funny about Cole is he's,
0: like, really aggressive about what to deal with Cole. Cole. Because he's like, you could turn any day. You're fucking question mark, and I don't like it. You should be controlled. And you're like, what? <laughs>
1: Yeah, and that's the thing, is, like, solus he's got a lot of really weird things, like, because I think even some of the, like, I can't remember all of it, but, like, some of the later plot points, it's weird what side Solus will end up falling on for Mm -hmm. all of those choices, because I want to say, like, for the little, what is it, the pool thing, like, he wants you to have it, which most of the, like, quote-unquote good characters don't want you to have it. But, like, yeah. he's all for it's it. It's the pools in so. the fall, so then you learn all the knowledge of yeah. everything, more or less.
0: And you can pick, like, if you have, I think, Morrigan, you mm-hmm. can have her do it and then speak to the voices through her knowledge. Or if you're a mage, then you can do it. And he's very, like, well, that seems risky, which, I mean, we're not going to spoil anything, but it makes sense later. But because you don't always understand his place in the
1: world or what his thoughts are, he's really hard to read. Yeah, and I mean, we're probably at this point, just because it logically makes sense, going to start moving into the ending. So since that's about to happen, (laughs) I'm going to give a very long and drawn out... Interlude! Spoilers (laughs) are (laughs) incoming! (laughs) We're going to talk about the end of this game, so therefore, if you would like to take a break or slash, well... Don't take a break. Probably just leave listening because Please this know. episode will be ending. Uh, we're going to talk about the ending of Inquisition. And then we're going to talk about Dragon Age 4 because they're directly related. So cue the music.
0: you've had enough warning if we spoil something from now on it is entirely your fault and your responsibility to hold up go play dragon
1: age inquisition and And then come come back back. (laughs) all right so probably the reason unless you are the one person who was a female elf who accidentally romanced solas which also whoo sorry about that but uh (laughs) solas kind of betrays you at the end okay Betray is not quite the right word, but he just kind of fucks off and it's very weird and mysterious and you're all like,
0: he was behind the anchor the whole time. The piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kill him. <laughs> like, he it's was so frustrating. Well, but that makes his character make so much sense because we were saying like, part of the reason we don't like him is because you never know what side he's going to be on. But now that you know this okay. grand secret. Okay. Okay.
1: No, this is not the whole grand secret. There's more to the secret. Okay. First of all, <laughs> in explaining this secret. Trespasser matters. If you're going to play this game, you freaking pick up the Trespasser DLC and you play that shit. It matters <laughs> a lot. <laughs> because in that one, you go and find Solus, and you're like, hey dude, what the fuck? Like, we were kind of friends or whatever, and then you just fucked off. And he's like, hey, I'm actually a god. <laughs>
0: what?
1: And then, well, like, the other thing is
0: Methal. You find out it's Plymouth, and like, he knew that! And they're in cahoots <laughs> like,
1: yeah. and you don't know why. <laughs> yeah. And so there's a lot of things actually I kind of found out because I was very interested in Solus. I think it was like the fourth time or whatever I was playing it. I'm watching you, you and I feared bastard. <laughs> well, I did a lot. Like I made him in my party all the time and like I was like paying attention a lot. And so he does like kind of drop kind of hints and even like actually his one little side quest is, oh God, I can't think of what the name of it is, but it's basically an anagram of Fenrir, so <laughs> <laughs> which is what his god name is. I don't know if we mentioned that the Dread Wolf Fenrir. So it's like I forget what it is, but it's like all something all for her. That's like the name of the quest, and then it's an anagram for Fenrir. Uh, whatever. But like it's it's interesting, and then like if you go more into his backstory and stuff, it does. Like, he makes sense. It's it's complicated, and, like, you know, you could choose to view him as a villain. You could choose to view him as on the right side, whatever. But basically, his whole thing is, essentially, because he was a god, he was around when the elves were super immortal and all that stuff. And he was the reason why they had their downfall. Because, basically, he put up the Fade. Because the Fade didn't used to be there when he was younger, and in doing that, it, like, fucked magic. And it basically made the elves so, like, they couldn't be immortal anymore. And, like, all their shit just vanished. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they lost all of their power and everything. And basically, he just feels really bad. <laughs> like, that's essentially <laughs> that's what it so plot. is. That's He feels bad. Yeah. And so, like, there's all this stuff. Like, for example, like, if you have him around Sarah, like, he feels really like weird with her because like basically she's like a more modern day elf and like she doesn't really care like she's she specifically doesn't care about elf stuff and so like he keeps like trying to be like hey this is like our heritage and she's like nope (laughs) (laughs) don't care and then like you can just tell like he just he feels bad yeah and so it's it's interesting and whatever way that you take it because like I said, it's totally valid to view him as an enemy because he does do some kind of shifty stuff. but also like it makes a lot more sense once you kind of know why he feels so bad.
0: Well, like you were saying what happens to Mythal? you were saying she died? I don't remember exactly. So what
1: I think she dies? I mean, I could have misunderstood that, but I, that's like what happens at like if you don't play trespasser, that's what happens at the end of Dragon Age is he, like, sees her in front of one of the alluvians and is all like, hey, you're a god. I'm a god. And she's like, I missed you. And then they hug. And then he's like, yeah, I missed you, too. <laughs> like, stones her. But you have,
0: like, the spirit of her within you if you're a major. Morgan does. And the idea is that she lives through the ages through passing on. So in, I thought the concept was that mm. she passes on to Morgan, like her intention was in the beginning anyway. I
1: don't remember how that works because I think that was a whole thing in Dragon Age 1 where, like, I think for that to happen, I think Morgan would have to die. I don't know if that just happens because Mithal died. I think they could play into that more. It doesn't necessarily mean that she's dead. Yeah. I just... They greatly insinuated, but you know.
0: Well, that's what I'm interested god.
1: to see in Dragon Age 4 is if they bring up Mythal again. And like, if it matters,
0: if you were the one of the voices or even if your character is a part of it, because I rewatched the trailer for Dragon Age 4 and Varric's in it. Yay. So he's definitely a part of it. But it is a new hero from the sounds of it. So, because I thought, honestly, I thought they'd make the Herald of Andraste again because you have such a connection with Solas and you have possibly Mythal, like a part of you and everything. I had just assumed... You were gonna continue like that storyline, and it would be like the first time they did that. But based on the trailer, you're a whole new hero. Yeah. So whatever role you take in this is
1: complete question mark. I am positive that the Inquisitor will be in it because if you are a female elf and you decide to romance Solas, that is like the whole up and downest romance ever. But it basically like in Trespasser, like you can like decide to kind of be like, hey no I'm still in love with you like I'm not gonna give up on you I'm gonna like keep on and he'll be like okay go ahead try to change my mind and so I'm positive that the Inquisitor will be there somehow but probably won't be a main character
0: are you telling me I have to go and play Inquisition again and fall in love with Solace so that I have that option with this next fucking game <laughs> so that I get to see what it do- god damn it <laughs> I don't- do that. Like, I briefly dabbled in the romance of Solace and decided, you know what? I don't like this, and changed. I have to replay this whole goddamn game so that I can make sure that Dragon Age 4 has whatever ending or storyline of that fucking
1: thing. <laughs> that egg. I'm mad. That <laughs> egg like, and I egg. know I have to do it. If you feel like you have to, you have to. But I will say, if nothing else, you should watch it, because I do, like, it is actually one of the better romances. Like, I wouldn't say it's good, because he does end up, like, leaving you. That definitely happens, and it's, like, very heartbreaking. But, like, in terms of emotions and stuff, like, that is one of the more emotional ones. Like, he's very... Like, you can tell, like, he's very much in love with you. There's all, like, this, like... I don't want to hurt you, but, like, I'm definitely going to hurt you because I feel really bad about what I did to all the elves. And you're an elf. <laughs> and I gotta, like, I gotta go do god stuff and it's unfortunate that we crossed paths. So, um, what are you wanting from Dragon Age for? The end, really. I want it to be over. <laughs> well, it's not that I want it to be. I mean, they could keep doing this series forever, honestly. Like, it's just come up with a new plot. Well, we talked about this in the Bioware episode. where. We kind of wanted to let these
0: timelines in, but there's nothing in particular. Like, do you want us to put Solus on a spike? Do you want it to be like, we're more on the Solus side or is it completely in the middle where we get to decide? Like, is there
1: anything like that or you just want to play the game Mm. when it comes out? Also, I do want to mention too, just one last thing about Inquisition is that if you really hate Solus, if you follow a really particular path, you can punch him in the face. Nice! (laughs) I want to do that instead of romancing it. (laughs) You have to really like... You have to do anti everything soulless though. So like you have to like side with the Templars. You have to like I for there's something else. I can't remember. Every
0: time you see an element artifact, just crush it in front of it.
1: Yeah, you Fuck have to your history. You have to be like super anti mage, essentially, and then he'll like basically come up to you and be like, "I thought you were a good person, but it turns out you're actually shit." And then you can just... It I it. have to watch it. I'm just gonna watch that one. That one sounds really hard. But I don't. I don't know. I just I want there to be a good ending. I want it to be satisfying. I mean, I'm curious about all the Taventer stuff, but I'm more curious like about how that's gonna work because, in all theory, that's gonna get kind of dark. Because it's all like slaves and blood magic Mm -hmm. and stuff. So I'm curious. It still sounds like the rogue isn't going to (laughs) matter. I think I was reading an article that was talking about it. And I think the whole thing is Dreadwolf Rises is essentially going to be the opposite of Inquisition. So Inquisition, you had a lot of power. And like the whole game was basically like about what you do with power. Whereas this one is going to be like you don't have power. So maybe they heard you. They heard, <laughs> they, they, heard my they heard your cries about Rogue, and they're like, we're gonna give Krista what she wants. And somehow we're gonna fuck up Solus." I don't <laughs> I don't really, like, I'm a little confused, but he's, it's the title of the game, Dread Rises. He was in the trailer.
0: Well, maybe it's just like, he's on the background, or you get to choose to be on his side. I have no idea what they're gonna do with it, honestly. But also, I'm one of those people, I, I try not to obsess or read into all of it, because I like to be surprised. But with this episode, I looked more into it because we were going to talk about it. And I try to just have no opinion. I find that's just the easiest way to go, to not have any expectation or any idea of what's going to be.
1: The only reason I know about this is, I mean, I haven't, like, looked into it, like, way too much. I think I just saw, like, an article that was talking about the trailer that came out recently, which the trailer was super vague. And I probably won't look into it more I guess we'll have another episode when Dragon Age 4 comes out before. there will be something to look forward to. There you go, people. But I think at this point, I think we should probably end this episode. There's no music this time
0: because we already played it. (laughs) Well, but we should still say bye. (laughs) Well, we have to talk. What's the next episode?
1: Sayonara. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. So we're not going to talk about video games anymore.
0: Yeah, we finally <laughs> have worn you out on video games, as you may or may not have deduced from now. We I'm stressed. A lot of video
1: games. <laughs> I'm stressed. Winter is over. We're moving into spring. So now we're going to get into more personal things. Although that sounds kind of weird, but we're we're going, going to... very personal. <laughs> yes, but... As I was saying earlier, okay, I'm married, so I wouldn't do this. But if I had a date, if I had a dating profile, I wouldn't put, I love BioWare on my dating profile. Okay, my dating profile,
0: I already told you this, but my, I made one dating profile, mostly for stories, which I got a few. And um, my opening line, because like I, I wrote up a profile very specifically, my opening line was, I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite dating app in the Citadel. So you know what?
1: <laughs> it would be. Well, for you, then there you go. But I wouldn't. <laughs> you wouldn't. So for our Maybe this is me- why
0: you're married and I'm not.
1: <laughs> for our next episode, we're going to talk about one of Julie's personal hobbies. We're going to talk about baking. And then in the episode preceding that, okay, I feel weird calling it a hobby because it's what I do for a living, but we're going to talk about science and chemistry. <laughs> this was Passion for Your Passions with Julie. And Krista, where we talked about Dragon Age.